build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. everybody and welcome to this week in location-based marketing today is july 12 2013 this is episode number 138 my name rob woodbridge from on tether.tv located in sunny warm ottawa ontario canada flood free i suppose is the way to put it as well and with me as always but not from his location not from his usual location let's see if that looks like a different background it is a little different. Uh, I am on vacation, but still uh, committed to doing this uh, this worthy uh, show with you. Uh, I'm in Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, for the annual uh, family uh, trek down here. So, uh, yeah, and it, the weather's been really good, except for today it's raining. Did you let me? Did you get caught up in that uh, terrific storm in Toronto? Like that was absolutely incredible. It was basically Toronto's Katrina. Oh. Completely missed it. It, it, uh, it happened after I left. Well, I, I mean, I was watching, uh, we were watching the news and then it came down. It was 140 uh, millimeters of rain that fell in the span of, uh, of an hour or two hours and it flooded everybody's basement. Friends were doing, I mean, even saw Amber Mack, who, who, um, who was in Toronto as well, and her, her basement was flooded. They got all the equipment out, but it just came in like a torrent and she said her, her basement is destroyed. And it's, uh, it's crazy to think that that much rain fell and that much flooding happened uh, in, in, in a city like Toronto. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a, I, you, you know, from what I can tell, again, I wasn't there for it, but it's like a once-in-a-generation type of uh, storm, like to get that much rain in such a short period of time, and so localized, too. Like, I'm, I don't live in the city. I live uh, about a 40-minute drive uh, northeast of the city, and there was virtually no rain. Well, you, you got lucky, because, I mean, can you imagine coming home to what, what could have been if you were in the city and you're on vacation? Oh, I know. I know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm quite well, happy. There are these so. incredible photos and videos of people being rescued from commuter trains on the second deck, having to actually go out and have yeah. like hundreds of people rescued, rescued. They were stranded in flooded water. And there's this one picture. It's the iconic picture that I've seen, which is this Porsche Carrera in the middle of the highway, abandoned yeah. because a lawyer had to get to his case. So he got out of his car, trudged through in his like $5,000 suit and went and defended his, his, uh, his, um, he went and defended his client, and and uh, and then and then worried about the car later. That is selfless. Leaving the Porsche. Did he did he win the know. case though? That's I don't know, but it, I mean it's remarkable. He said you know that insurance and all that kind of stuff can cover all that. I had I had an obligation, and that is dedication to the craft, my friend. Um, and just like you doing yeah. this from your vacation, I would put those in the two things: abandoning your uh, vacation to come <laughs> here is the same thing as abandoning. I don't have a Ferrari to abandon. Though, yeah, it was so. a Ferrari. I said Porsche, but it was a Ferrari even better. It was just it, like heartbreaking. But anyways, well, the reason we do this is we couldn't go two weeks w without doing an episode because there's just so much news. It just piles up and piles up and piles up. And if we don't get it to you quick enough, it expires. So here we are. We're doing this. And it is web episode 138. That's consecutive weeks. We have not missed a week yet. And I hope to continue that streak uh, going forward. It's a pretty incredible streak. I don't know what the world record is, but let's see if we can crush it, crush it. Unless it's like Leo Laporte, who's done 10,000 straight uh, shows. Uh, <laughs> not up for that. 
So today we have we have uh, seven stories. We have a guest for you. Uh, it's actually a clip of, a, of an interview that I did with a woman named Krina Patel, who is a VP at a company called Ingenious Med. They are actually selling into hospitals. And the only way we can I can classify this is that the way they're doing it is they're doing location-based billing. So they're doing a whole bunch of great things at the bedside with these devices and the doctors. You'll hear a little bit about that company. Uh, it ties into a couple of our stories, which is why we're doing it. Uh, instead of bringing you a uh, fascination of the week, I'm doing a very new uh, uh show i suppose it would be called on untether.tv called a mobile minute it's being resurrected this time with author chuck martin who uh, who i've had on the show before and we've had on the show before as well and uh we are today i'm going to give you a clip of that it's about a minute and a half and that's how long they are you can find them all on untether.tv and this is what we're going to be talking about what makes mobile users happy while they're in stores uh it's a very fascinating clip so before we get into that i just want to know if there's anything that we need to be covering for the location-based marketing association are we um are we we're just on vacation aren't we safe we are. Yeah, no, there's nothing uh, too exciting happening uh, for the rest of the month. I've got one little uh, speaking thing in D.C. next week, but that's not open to the public. So uh, <laughs> can't really invite anybody to that. Elitist but, bastard, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, it's not my choice, man. I, I'd have everybody at these things if I could. But, uh, yeah, you know, the Senate has called. You respond. Just like jury duty, when the Senate calls, you do. You respond to that. Uh, so... Uh, well, that'll be interesting. I see if we'll be here for another, I mean, on vacation another week, well-deserved. Um, so why don't we jump into this? We'll, we'll get this done very quickly. Uh, we're going to start with this uh, this episode of A Mobile Minute with Chuck Martin. We're going to be talking about right now uh, what makes mobile users happy, what kind of store makes mobile users happy, and when they're in the store, what makes them even happier once they're in that store. So here is Chuck. We'll be back on the flip. We're back for another mobile minute. This time we are talking about apps and shopper happiness and the relation that they both have. What does it mean? Well, some new research came out from a company called GigaOn Pro, and what they found was that based on the type of store and based on what people are doing, there, there are different gauges in terms of what people are very happy doing. For example, the stores where they're, they're the, the happiest, these are, these are only smartphone owners, by the way, so this is, this is really keen, precise research. So smartphone owners, they're happiest in membership warehouse clubs, number one, discount stores, grocery stores, home improvement hardware, drug stores, and then consumer electronics, and that's in order. In terms of what's top on their list, in terms of what they're uh, shopping for by purpose, number one, they're looking to find coupons, that's 28% of them, uh, compare prices, uh, find, find upcoming events, get offers and deals, shop for gifts, compare products, check store, stocks in stores, inventory basically, remember what products they want to buy, a shopping list, keep up with new products, and manage rewards earned. So there's some real lessons here that apps are not going away in terms of shopping. The people, it turns out, who are using apps are happier across the board on each of those categories I mentioned than those who are not using the apps to shop. It seems to me that app users and smartphone users are simply looking for a better deal. Are they cheap? Uh, <laughs> well, they can't be that cheap. They're paying for these data plans, uh, and they paid for the smartphone. So uh, they're actually, I think they, they're, this is speculation, but they're, they're, they appear to be looking for value. 
Well, that is a mobile minute. If you're interested in that, there are 10 new, brand new episodes up there. We're doing a daily. We're really ambitious with this thing. So we've done it for two weeks now. And uh, so I'm, I'm okay to actually promote this. Uh, but you can go to untether.tv and see the other nine. It's that intense minute, minute and a half, uh, good information, relevant information for you guys who are listening to this. And we'll feature a few of them here when they're even more relevant to location-based marketing and retail and those things that we talk about quite a bit. So thanks, Chuck. All right, let's jump into these stories because we got so many of them, uh, and I think that some of these will elicit some great debate, starting with this first story. This can't be true. Apple looking at somebody else's technology and saying, hey, we made that. In fact, we're going to patent that, and oh, by the way, then we're going to create something like that, and it's called Waze. They, they lost the bidding for Waze, and now they've come out with a patent. It's been displayed. It's, it's put out for uh, open discussion. They uh, of a basically a Waze clone for crowdsourcing information about your drive home. So it would speculate, obviously, that they're going to be making something that is competing against Waze. Now, this shouldn't surprise anybody, should it? No, I don't think so. I mean, um, you know, Apple uh, has made it clear they want to be in the map business. Uh, you know, they uh, obviously tried uh, and failed and then uh, brought Google back in, into the App Store and uh, people have been uh, you know, all over that. Google won the battle for Waze and Apple's sitting there going, well, you know, at the end of the day, we're not giving up on our maps. Uh, our maps are going to be good. They're going to be great. And, uh, you know, they need to be comparable to Google's. So we need to have this kind of feature of real-time traffic alerts, the same as Google now will have uh, with the Waze acquisition. And so let's, let's do everything we can to do it better uh, than anybody else, which is what Apple always tries to do, right? So, it's a good thing um, to strive for. Yeah. yeah. This is a uh, this is a good story. What I like about it is a, a few things. Is that uh, you know the thing that Waze does very well is not new. In fact, we've had uh, on Untethered.tv and here we've had Inrix as a guest, and these guys are experts in uh, traffic patterning, patterning, not pattering. Uh, traffic patterns and getting you home faster. That is the entire mandate of a company called Inrix. They basically bring in this big data and they give you the optimized route to get you home 10 minutes or 15 minutes before that you, you normally would. These guys are experts in it. It's, it seems like unlikely that Apple can actually get this patent because of a company like Inrix that obviously has prior. They have patents all up, all up the wazoo. And that's a very interesting company. I love what they're doing because they are experts in traffic patterns and, uh, and getting you from A to B. But one of the features that I really, truly loved about the Apple, the, the way that it was written up in TechCrunch, and Daryl Etherington talked about it, is that the way that they are going to take that App Store approach of stars and apply it, I guess is what they're saying, to the routes that you're taking. So, you know, there's this nebulous thing that comes up when you go with Waze. You say, listen, I'm going from here, I want to get to there. And then it kind of gives you like five options. And I'm like, it, it's, the user interface isn't great. Right, because it's like, well, I, I, you know, this one's longer, but the distance, this one, you know, distance is longer, but the time is shorter. It, it just, it's confusing. Simplify that process, and that's what Apple's trying to do here. They're going to give it a, like a one to five star rating based on all those things that go into it: the traffic, the weather, your type of car you're driving, leaded versus unleaded. I don't know what they're going to do. Sunspots, but they're going to add that all <laughs> in and give you a star rating, and then at the end of your trip actually ask you to rate that route and then it's going to go up and and so they're they're the way that you participate is a little bit different than you would with ways instead of i think you know the whole idea of driving and crowdsourcing and telling people that it's slow that stuff has to be done automatically so maybe google will do or apple will do that but i love the idea of rating these in one to five stars for the next person yeah i do too i, I think that um 
you know, giving or, or simplifying the choices that people have, um, you know, and simple, you know, any, anytime you can make something simpler, you know, it, it's always better, right? Um, you know, that's the thing that always happens to me. I walk into that bakery and, you know, I see, you know, 600 things that, you know, are, are appealing to me, but, you know, if there was only two things, it'd be it would be a lot easier. I could just I could just make that decision fast, be in and out of that bakery, and then be done, right? But it's when there's so much choice, yes. Um, yes. you know, it, it costs us time. And we live in a society right now where it's all about speed and now, and you know, quick decisions and and you know, instant gratification. So. You know, I think this fits right in with uh, the way society is. Well, it'd be interesting to see when it happens because it's bound to happen. And I've started using the Apple Maps application again and uh, not for any real traveling as I discussed last week, but it just shows you how important this whole GPS and location and uh, mapping world is. It's going to be, uh, it's, we're just at the beginning of this. So this is going to be an ongoing battle. This is the, the next piece here, obviously, is crowdsourced data in mapping. So Apple, getting in there. Yes. All right, our second story, Yusif. There you go. The second story, yes. Um, so, so this is a story about a company called Yumi, um, which uh, is a video um, ad targeting platform, if you will. And what they've done is, uh, is uh, they're claiming this is for the, the first time this has been done. I don't know. I can't verify that, but I'll go with it for now. Uh, is enabling advertisers to reach uh, via television uh, audience uh, individual households uh, as a as a subset so you know when you buy a TV ad today it's by it's by zone it's by cable zone it's by a number of different uh, districts if you will um, but but being able to reach you know and map a TV ad to an individual household uh, you know is, is something that is kind of like the ultimate dream for for TV ads and that's effectively what Yumi uh, has been able to do and, and what they're doing is it's not just TV. Is they're tracking the IP uh, address of an individual household, you know, from the from the router, if you will, that that's in that house, you know, running Wi-Fi or whatever it is. And then what they do is is they look at all the devices that are connected to that IP. Um, so you might have a internet-enabled TV, you might have laptops, you might have tablets, whatever you have in that household. And they aggregate all that together um, and say all these devices are, are part of this IP address. We're going to enable advertisers to target all the devices at this individual household level uh, with, with you know whatever ad that they want to run. So that that's kind of what the platform uh, is situated to do right now. So very very specific, very location oriented. Do they all see the same ad? Like you know, I read the press release here, and you know. I mean, how many times they talk about synergy and every buzzword ever, uh, you know, I, I think that I don't mean to be an ass, but I'm about to be is that uh, like anybody who wrote that press release deserves uh, to uh, go through a another uh, lesson or schooling on how to write a press release. So many buzzwords in this as the world's only the biggest, the greatest synergistic synergy. Like, I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> and it left me thinking, like, I don't understand what exactly it does. You just explained it, which is fine. But. Does it display the same ad across all platforms here? Or I mean, the example that they use here is that, you know, buying a car, because I guess their first customer is Hyundai, right? And buying yeah. a car is a family affair. So they want to push ads to everybody. It's like, no, it isn't. I'm, I'm, as much as I love my kids, they're not going to help me decide between, you know, a $100,000 Jag or a, a conventional car that the average human can, can, can afford. So, uh, you know, the idea is that they... Uh, do, do they all get the same ad on all platforms? Is that what this is? 
No, it, it, it didn't yeah. specify, but I, I would think I would think that uh, you know the ads are optimized for the device screen size and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? So maybe you know if you see a TV commercial, that might be one format, and there might be a different version of the same same ad for you know tablet or for you know uh, mobile phone or whatever the case might be. But but it's all Hyundai in this. But case, it just right? it just sounds so weird. Like my kids are not interested in that commercial. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing that, that is really kind of interesting for me. So that if it's, if it's me, I can understand that. They want to target me on all my platforms, all my devices. But they're saying, like, households. Like, you can target households. And that means yeah, my yeah. kids. That means me. That means my wife. And we all have drastically different interests, right? And Absolutely. so, I, like, I look at this and I think there's got to be something better here because um, this doesn't do it for me. Maybe maybe this is where at the beginning of it, but this this doesn't this doesn't spark yeah. a light under my ass. This just says like, uh, you know what, more jargon, right? But maybe they're just trying to test it and see what sticks. And so I can't, you know, I'm a little bit mixed on this. I mean, the con the concept of getting an ad down to a hustle yes. level has, awesome. to me has some value. I, I I will agree with you though, like that you know within that hustle, there's different interests and preferences and, and, and things like that so yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that we're gonna we're, we'll talk about us um, you know a, st a story a little bit later on about uh, about these kind of things like uh, factual right uh, our sixth story about really 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 high geotargeting and and uh, and uh, there's got to be a there's got to be a much better way like basically we're talking about the mobile cookie right um, and that that's the yeah. important piece here so there's always, until we solve that piece it might be a small piece but it's like that missing link of DNA that that connects us to the apes, right? It's like, hey, we've been looking at that for a whole long yeah. time, right? And and I think that that's what we're still looking for here. So, but if you're interested, it's you me. That's y u m e dot com. You can go take a look at them and um, and see what they're up to. It's a multi-screen. I, I mean, I don't even know what this is called, but it's like a you know, uh, create it once, display it everywhere, multi-screen in your household, targeted to your home. So, uh, yeah. And their first partner is Hyundai. That's story number two. All right, story number three is, see, what if we said, listen, uh, you know, when I was, I think when I was nine or 10 years old, maybe it was a little older, I was very influenced by Midas and the Midas touch and everything that he turned to was gold. Yep. And I thought, wow, that would be the best thing. You know, obviously it's a, it's a cautionary tale. If you haven't heard about it, I don't want to spoil it. But I always thought that, listen, we're going to have implanted chips into our fingers, right? With all of, that was based on, uh, I think I've talked about this, is that based on our, our uh, you know, fused with our tissue inside of our finger, and then we're going to use that for swiping product and swiping payments, and it'll all be done automatically based on whether I have a living, uh, like a heart rate or a pulse. As soon as I die, that stuff doesn't work, obviously, and people will cut my finger off just to steal yep. my money. But here we are, we're talking about biometric payments in France. This is pretty cool. I, like, I don't know what else to say. It, it, yeah, it's really cool, and with all the you know the focus in North America on NFC yeah. and Level Up and all this stuff, which is you know it, it's getting some traction. I saw I saw an article, another article uh, this week about Level Up is now going to be in the Apple stores. That's very interesting. interesting. Uh, so, so I'm not going to talk about that, but uh, you know, so so we're we're starting to get you know some uh, level of maturity um, early still, but some uh, a first level of maturity I'll say in, in mobile payments. And here comes biometrics. Um, so this is in France, um, and what you have here is a couple of uh, retail chains. Uh, one in particular, a company called Leroy Merlin, uh, which is a home improvement chain. I guess the the Home Depot of, of France, uh, so to speak. 
and uh, they, uh, they, they and a couple other retailers um, and a group of banks uh, and credit card uh, issuers over there. I'm not going to list them all, but Bank Accord, uh, BNP, Paribas, uh, Credits, Agricole, etc. The list goes on. Um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of them. Have teamed up, and, and effectively what you do is if, if, if you have an account with one of these banks, you can go into these places, you can register your fingerprint, um, and, uh, and there's two types of biometrics technologies that they're, they're uh, testing here. One is a, is a digital fingerprint, so a, a scan of your fingerprint. And the other is what they're calling a finger vein pattern. So they, they, they can actually measure the, the, the vein patterns or something uh, in your fingers as well. Really? Uh, and, and these trials are being uh, tested in different, uh, in different uh, retailers. But what happens is, is, you, is, is you go in, you register these fingerprints with your bank. The fingerprint is connected to your credit card or, or your debit card account, effectively uh, offline. And then when you when you show up at a store, um, you know card presence still kind of thing. But the idea is is that you go, you make a purchase, and you simply press your your finger on the um, you know on the reader, and away you go. You're, you're authenticated because it's already you know you know associated with your bank account and your credit card. You don't have to enter a PIN. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it's it, it's simple, kind of cool. Well, it's very cool. Uh, you know, but it it still like requires it. you to have a card, like a smart card, on you, right? A, a chip card, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you still have to have the card yeah. with you. But the idea is is to kind of speed up the the, the queuing swiping. process, if you yeah. will, right? By simply swiping or, or or you know scanning instead of you having to actually type you know, in a, uh, on a keypad, your, your, your pin number or all that kind of stuff. Right. You talk so, about uh, like the worst user interface on the planet right now is, uh, is typical, the keypads, right? Well, like some of it's touchscreen. Yeah. Some of it is, is, uh, is on a, you know, on push buttons on, on, uh, for the numbers and, and for your pin and you, you're going back and forth and it confuses, and no offense here, but it confuses the elderly quite considerably, right? Is that there's a lot of confusion. Um, but we here have in Canada we have PayPass, right? Which is basically tap and go. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have to use my my pin for that. Um, so is this is this a like a it, we're testing the boundaries here of the future a little bit, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and and to some extent, this is about um, you know making sure that you know your card is present, yeah. regardless of you know the, the the person is actually present associated with that card, right? Um, you know, no matter what that is, because the reality is, even with PIN, right? You know, somebody can get your PIN number, and if they have a copy of your card or whatever, they can punch it in. But your your fingerprint's your fingerprint. Like you know, that's a lot harder to uh, replicate. But I just have a, have a really great strategy about uh, anti fraud, and that is just to keep your bank account at zero and your credit cards maxed, and nobody can steal yes. from you. Yes. yes, it's a I pretty like it. sound strategy for, for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I think that we're going to start to see this kind of biometric stuff ushering in. Like, I mean, we're already seeing, you know, one of our stories coming up is about facial recognition. And uh, we've, we've talked a lot about this around facial recognition and other ways that people are going to be identified by and, uh, and sold to. And I think that biometrics is only uh, is coming. It's just it's got to be natural, right? There's got to be just a natural extension of, of us. Like, I like the finger swipe. I like the touch. I like all those kind of things. And um, uh, but he, he, here's my challenge, is that it has to be all or nothing. 
right? Like, I don't want to carry a card at the same yeah. time as have to use my scanning, my fingerprint. Like, there's got to, there's going to be a point in time where there is sure. going to be, where, where we as humans are comfortable enough to be able to say, I can leave my card at home, everything is attached to my fingerprint or, or retina scan, whatever it might be. I don't know, spit. You, may, yeah. you might have to spit yeah. in something. Who knows? But I think that... Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, here's how, another example on a personal note is, you know, I travel all the time and a lot between Canada and the U.S. I have a Nexus card that travel. So, you know, for me, I, you know, when I'm leaving and going out of Canada and into the U.S. and, and back, it, it's so much easier for me to walk up to one of those machines, have it scan my retinas, and, and I'm in. Like, I don't even have to yeah. talk to anybody. Yeah. Like, it's great. Like, I don't have to sit there and go through, oh, why were you in the U.S.? and yeah. What are you visiting for? And how long are you going to be? Like, who cares? Like, I'm here. I'm authenticated. You know who I am. You have everything on me. Let exactly. Me it's like the self-checkout at the airports. So, yeah, Nexus is incredible. Yeah. And you, you no know lineups, right? You just walk right through. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're going to get there. We will. It just, it's, I think we, we are the roadblock. The humans are the roadblock, I think, is, is for these kind of things. But uh, we, I, I'm eagerly watching this go down, and I think it's very, very important. It just shows you this is a global play, and the things that we're talking about in North America are completely different can be completely different than the things we're talking about they're talking about in Europe or in Asia and the technologies that we're fighting over here which is NFC in the phone is like ah screw it we're going to go full on biometrics because we're going to get there anyways forget the battle of NFC yeah. for payments right and i think that that's what they're that, that's what this tells me is that okay that conversation will be moot at some point forget this conversation of whether or not apple is going to have NFC in their device for payments cuz don't wait on it because they'll be left behind like like these guys are doing in in Europe in France Pretty cool. Two stories about France today. What's going on with that? The French. We're going to take a break here and we're going to talk about hospitals. We're going to talk, you know, they're similar in some way, shape or form, biometrics, payments and human bodies and stuff and hospitals. And it's a company that I, I'm, I'm so impressed with. It's Ingenious Med. Uh, we're going to, this is a clip uh, with uh, Krina Patel. Uh, she is a VP at Ingenious Med, at ingeniousmed.com. These guys started, they, they have a great founder. His name is Dr. Liu, and he actually started in the mobile space, looking at mobile in hospitals in 1999 with a Palm Pilot, right? So they went whole hog into this, and here we are 14 years later, and, uh, you know, obviously when the iPhone came out and everybody started carrying smartphones, they went back into the mobile space. It didn't work the first time. They're poised right now. They're saving hospitals millions of dollars. Actually, not saving, generating revenue for hospitals at the, to the tunes of millions of dollars every year in, in kind of lost billing at the bedside. It's, it's incredible the story that these guys are doing. They found a little niche. They got, they got their software and devices, and now they're expanding it. But it all has to do with, uh, with on-the-spot, location-based billing. It's the only way that I can describe it. But uh, Karina is going to give us a little bit about who the company is and what they do. And I implore you, go and check out Ingenious Med. They're one of the only companies I know that have been able to bring a mobile solution into a hospital like this. It has nothing to do with records. It has nothing to do with anything like that. It's all about argent, la cache, la bakshish. So here is Karina Patel, VP at Ingenious Med, and we will discuss it or not on the flip side. Tell me about Ingenious Med. So Ingenious Med was founded in 1999. Um, we were founded by physicians, and we were for physicians. So as you can tell, the solution that we provided was actually created by the direct end user. So first of all, when physicians or any user actually looks at the system, ergonomically, they're just you know glued to it simply because the layout is, is in line with what they do every day. The technology is there, the, the patterns, the terms, the flows, the 
technical components are all fluid with what they're doing with their processes within the inpatient outpatient settings. So how do you, but I mean, so what do you guys do for them? There, there's, there's plenty that you do for them, but for, for 14 years you've been involved in this, you, I mean, give us an example of how you infiltrate or how you get into and onto the doctors, uh, you know, get the doctors using you guys. So what we specialize in is charge capture, which is the professional fee service yeah. side of the billing components. Obviously, there's a facility billing component that the hospital worries about, but we're all professional fee, getting the physicians paid. So traditionally, what they're doing is they're capturing these charges, and I'm going to refer to them as charges, on these pieces of paper, um, note cards, uh, three by five cards that potentially end up in their jacket pockets, potentially at their dry cleaners, and two weeks of patients being seen and charges captured, just gone. No revenue reconciliation method, no revenue protection methodology, no organization, no accountability to the organization. You, you, you can't even, the organization doesn't even know what patients you're seeing at that point in time. Um, so really what we do is we replace that paper, we replace that note card and all the processes around it. So not only do you guys think about the charge capture side of it, but there's a lot of patients that are being handed off from one physician to the other physician when you have shift change. You gotta think about communication methodolo methodologies. You also have to think about quality of care of the patient. Since we are at the point of care, since we are driving to be at the bedside, what can we do to whisper in the physician's ear to give them some evidence or give them some clinical decision support based on the criteria of the patient, the age, um, the disease categories that they may be you know, assigned to or the payers, knowing that there's certain methodologies that they would like us to take when taking care of those patients. Um, and I think lastly, it's, it's really providing the reporting metrics. Um, you'll be surprised. I talked to some of the biggest health systems in the country, and I asked them, how do you know how you're going to staff a facility, a hospital facility? Well, we just kind of depend and see which one's fighting the most, which one's you know, coming to us the most, being really egregious about we have to order or we have to hire. Um, where I get blown away because I tell them, you know what, I can actually give you real-time census data. I can trend for you any period of time and show you your spikes throughout the year when you probably need to pick up an additional FTE and when you're actually dipping because we're out of flu season and you can probably drop a quarter or a half FTE. It, it's it's amazing. pretty amazing. What, like I, so it strikes me that what you guys do is that that almost immediately, I mean, how much like on the first, the first thing, which is just simply billing, I mean, is there an estimate about how much these hospitals are losing as a result of that? It seems it would be a lot. They're, they don't know what they're losing. So um, that's even worse. It is worse. Oh you go in uh, you know, and today everybody's trying to sell a system. They're trying to sell you the EMR, which costs millions of dollars, right? They're trying to sell you another little system that's going to help you with order entries. They're going to send you another little system that's going to help you with revenue cycle. But nobody really is going to give you a return on any of those things. Those are just process improvement. They're efficiencies. It's communications. It's streamlining the whole hospital. At, at its entirety. So we're, I think, in our space where we're actually different is we are telling you, you're actually gonna get a 30 to $40,000 pickup after deploying us. And we'll come back in and we'll do the ROI and we'll show it to you. Statistically, it's proven um, from all the clients, all the names that we have on our actual client list. It's anywhere from the low 30s all the way to I've even seen 60s come in for some of these providers. 
But that, that seems like a, that's astounding to me. You know, I, I understand there's, there's a frenetic pace that goes on and the medicine has to land where it is and the tests have to be where they are. And I, I mean, I grew up on St. Elsewhere and ER, all of those kind of like, I've seen this in action, right? Where it's like, damn the costs, save the patient, right? And then, right. but you don't see them in the television shows, like filling out the forms to fill out the bills, to make sure that they've identified the customer and the cost and, and, and actually putting those together. Exactly. So, I mean, was that the premise? Uh, is that, was that the pre premise of uh, Ingenious when it began was to just find those costs? Like 99, you guys were at the beginning of this internet revolution as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. is that where you guys started or did you guys migrate into that space? So actually, we that's a great question. We actually started from a coding compliance perspective. Um, you know, one of the things that happens in the industry, and I think it's a phenomenon, just like everybody gets added or audited for taxes, we actually get audited for making sure that your levels of service match the patient's documentation. Um, for physicians straight out of residency, it's really not that clear. I don't think it's clear to majority of the physicians out there what constitutes a level one, level two, level three severity of patient. So what we did is on a Palm Pilot, is created the, the clinical decision support as to telling you what's going to constitute for what severity. So you need to document um, X amount of review of systems, HPI items, in order to say that this is a level two charge and to be compliant, we're giving you everything that you need to put into the patient's chart. At the time, when we're talking in 99, EMRs were just getting traction and they were just coming out. So actually having that on your mobile device, sitting down at a desk, writing a patient's progress note and having those elements to guide you was a need that there wasn't a single vendor that was filling that need. And I think our founders found, number one, it's important to capture the charge, which is the platform we built right with it, the charge capture platform. But if you're going to capture the charge, you've got to do it in a compliant manner. Because in this day and age, Medicare is looking for everybody who's who's taking money from them fraudulently. Yes, and um, rightly so, and rightly so. And and, and I, I, my guess is that that over the last fourteen or fifteen years, even even since mid nineties, I would say, since really electronic document management came into place, you know, there is a greater and greater and greater certainty that somebody who is doing something fraudulent will get caught as a result of the technology being implemented. This just brings that a little bit closer, and the onus ends up being on the doctors, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they want to protect themselves. Yes. So, from that standpoint, when the founders made that solution and they made it mobile, it that's really where it fit the best um, in that world. And today, I think we went through a, a, a wave. We went through a wave of, all right, we're actually going to let the mobile devices go because the Palm died. Yeah. Um, Windows Mobile somewhat died. Yes. And then we went through this phase of Blackberry's it, um, and we tried to revive Windows Mobile at some extent. And then iPhone came out with, with you know the first generation phone. And then you started to see a pickup in all mobile usage, you know, then Android came out. And now I don't think we have a physician that doesn't have a smartphone. And that is Akrina Patel. She is a VP at Ingenious Med. If you're interested in watching the whole episode, listening to more about her story and their story, it's pretty great. I love little success stories like this, companies that you've never heard of that are doing insane business inside of hospitals, where at one point you thought that it was just a big, thick wall that you couldn't bust through. I mean, it's very hard to sell in hospitals. These guys have managed to do it. You can check out the episode. It is episode number 466 on untether.tv, or you can just go to ingeniousmed.com for some more information. And I thank Krina for doing that, and I thank her for being a part of this episode as well. Krina Patel, ladies and gentlemen.
All right, back into the stories to see if number four, uh, you know, I am always astounded when I hear the word Unilever because I, I used to use their level 2000, I think is what it was, Lever 2000 soap. And I always used to think of it in this little pocket, but then they're a massive company. And uh, let's talk about what they're doing here with, uh, with soft media. Yeah, so uh, Unilever partnered with a company called Solve Media, uh, and Solve Media is a come up with a really, a really simple. There's that word again, simple, uh, yet I, I think quite powerful. Uh, you know, new ad platform. Um, uh, it's a mobile app platform called Type In, and basically what they've done is they've taken the concept of the captcha. You know, the little security thing we see all over the place with that garbled up word that we have to uh, type in to authenticate that we're a, a real human and not a, a bot um, that we see all over the web. So they've taken the concept of a CAPTCHA um, and instead of giving you just random garbled words, they give you a branded word uh, that's associated with, in this case, a Unilever product um, uh, that's you know uh, involved with this campaign. So they ran a campaign for a uh, Unilever salad dressing called Wishbone uh, and uh, got some phenomenal results. Basically what you had to do was is uh, in order to get uh, you you would get uh, free but by, by typing in this 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 word and they had words like sassy, tangy, tasty, you know words to describe this salad dressing where the captchas if you will or branded captchas uh, is, is how I describe what this typing thing is. Um, and if you type one of these in you get 24 hours of free music on Songza. And so we talk all the time, you know, you and I, Rob, we talk all the time about the value of uh, content being the reward or the incentive as opposed to, you know, a coupon or a discount. And that's exactly what this is. It's one of the reasons I really like this, this platform, the simplicity of people understand that capture kind of concept. I think everybody's seen it out there. If you've been on the web at all, uh, you, you've seen it. Um, but the idea of it not being some garbled up, you know, nonsense word, but a real word associated with a brand and a brand effectively sponsoring, you know, free music uh, for you doing something to, you know, you know, help their brand or, or put that brand in your mind, you know, this makes sense. Yeah, this, this is, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I wonder how, why it took so long for this to, to happen, where, where companies have started to use the CAPTCHA as something else. Now, I, I think that I heard, I read somewhere that, that Google was using CAPTCHAs and uh, companies were using CAPTCHAs as um, native language learning mechanisms. They would be able to distinguish between what word was a real word and what word was not a real word, and, and they would use CAPTCHAs yeah. and, and assemble that kind of... So the, 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 the idea for this, of using it for something else, has always been there, the, but the, the, I guess the marketing layer has never been there. Um, but I, gotta, like, I use Songza when I'm in the gym sometimes, and I've never heard an ad like they don't do ads; they do banner ads. Is that what they're talking about here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this. Yeah, except that it's a full, uh, a full size, uh, or I guess it's a banner ad that you know expands into a full size, full screen. And then ad. when I type in like sassy or whatever it is, whatever the word is for the like, the one thing that it's very interesting is that I don't even. Um, uh, I pulled up the screen there. I'll pull it up right here, right now. You'll see it behind yeah. me. Um, is that it has type in to continue sassy, tangy, tasty. And then it has please enter sassy and then it has solve media and then it has no branding for the actual company that they're advertising like very little branding in it and i thought well it's i mean it's interesting that they don't really care i guess like i would i assume that unilever would be like front and center 
Well, it starts. It starts with a wishbone uh, salad dressing. I, yeah, it? I haven't seen the, like where it originates from. So there's a little pictures of the wish. Of yeah, the salad dressing. yeah. It starts with a wishbone okay. salad dressing um, image, uh, uh, and then it, it it leads you into this well, thing. But um, like it. it and so it works well, but I just don't like. So when when I type this in, when I type sassy in, does it just remove the banner ads from the application? Is that what it does? You think? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Again, I haven't been able to test it, but uh, yeah, I, I would assume that's that's what's happening. So these are the these are the great things. Uh, so like, say you go to a hockey game in Canada, you go to a baseball game, you go to a football game, and you want free Wi-Fi. Here's an opportunity for like Oscar Meyer to support this, where you get you know free Wi-Fi for the game, right? Yeah. And, and we've talked about this is that the yeah. scrabble for Wi-Fi. This is a perfect example. The caption, the captcha for for access to something, and and I, I agree with you. I like this this little transaction that happens as a result instead of a coupon. Um, I'm not like I you know the the relationship between Unilever and Songs. I'm not really sure. You know, um, it, well, it, but 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 it's, it worked. Yeah. I mean, like they, they've got numbers on this thing. That's that huge returns. They said the research conducted with Unilever showed an 87 percent lift for purchase intent for wishbone salad dressings. Against the Comscore mobile norms of twenty three percent. So hey, we you know what that says. Shut the fuck up, Rob. This works. <laughs> you know, like, stop thinking about it too much. The stuff that works. Uh, and and and, uh, and they they sell this on a on a paper for uh, pay for performance like basis. So it's not like you're just paying. For I like that a lot. I mean, I think that this you know this has has the potential. Uh, certainly to to be very 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 strong. Obviously with a with an up of that eighty seven percent. That's incredible. Solve Media, Unilever, and um, it, it's a uh, so do we just send them to solvemedia.com. They can find uh, find information about this. But yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I, I like this. There yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with this. Not with those numbers. Just shut up, Rob. That's it. <laughs> okay. okay, so uh, now listen. Here, here's our second story about France, um, and uh, this, this is an interesting thing because IBM uh, thinking, I don't know, thinking logically about the the mix of uh, billboards and functionality, and they said, "Listen, we're, uh, you know, what what can we do with billboards to make it a little bit more, um, make the city a little bit greener, make the city a little bit more appealing, uh, show some creativity around the way that we advertise and some utility around these billboards instead of sticking them way up or just putting, uh, you know, one-dimensional." Uh, Billboards up. They started to do these very unique designs uh, around billboards. It's this is um, I, I I you know on one side I think this is very creative, but it's not as creative as that. Uh, hey, you want a lift uh, bus shelter that we saw right where you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to pull up uh, some screens here that walk us through this. Is that you know they have one of these billboards that is uh, smart cities uh, that is basically a, a shelter against the rain. It curves out off of the wall. Uh, then there's another one that helps actually, uh, you know, they cover some stairs that allows you to, uh, you know, as the picture here is, if you're seeing this right now, is to bring up your luggage across, uh, you know, over a bunch of stairs, um, little like a little ramp. Or there's one that is the, uh, that has a curve on the bottom that is that is painted like a bench. Now, what's the purpose of this, Asif, and and what has this got to do with location? Well, I mean, for for me, any billboard, uh, digital or print or otherwise, is is a location specific ad. It's only relevant to in the front people of, right. in that in, in front of it in that location. So, you know, from the beginning of time, uh, at a home has been for me location based. Um, IBM for a long time now, this is not new, has had this uh, this marketing uh, campaign called Smarter Cities. This this is something they've been at for years. Um, 
And you know, the the idea of it is is to say, hey, we're not just a technology company, but we're about you know empowering people, empowering citizenry, empowering cities, empowering you know just things to be better, the planet, smarter cities, smarter planet, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think this fits with with, with that from a marketing concept uh, perspective, right? Is to say, hey, why should a billboard just be a billboard? Why shouldn't it be a bench? Why shouldn't it be a shelter? Why shouldn't it be you know, something else that's functional and can add value to the city and make the city smart. Um, they, in a similar campaign, they did one, um, uh, I can't remember what airport, it was an airport uh, campaign, a digital billboard this time, um, and what would happen is, is they, they look at the association between um, people's um, uh, sensitivities to colors, to certain colors, and so they actually had a billboard in, in, a, in an airport where it was just a regular IBM Smarter Cities billboard is all it said on it. But the whole thing was lit up, like the words and, and, the, and the icon around Smarter Cities was all lit up in a color. The entire thing was red. But what would happen is there was cameras built into the, into the, uh, into the screen. And so if you walked up and stood in front of this and you were wearing a blue shirt, the entire thing would change to blue. And if you were wearing a green shirt, it would change to green. So the idea being is, is that you know, you're wearing a green shirt because you like green. Right, and and if we reflect that, you know, this kind of echoing thing, uh, almost that you know you're you're gonna you have a better appreciation for the ad in front of you. Um, and they weren't trying to sell IBM; they were just trying to say to show that color can affect, you know, our our awareness and how we interact with with these advertising so cool. uh, pieces. So, yeah. Well, they are colorful, and there's a video up there that will show you how it's being used, and, and they are being used, and uh, and this is a, you're right, this is a very unique uh, instance-based, and uh, but I mean, other than the utility, they're pretty boring billboards, right? But I guess that's the great thing, is that yeah. the utility is the fact that they're they're ingenious, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, if you're interested, uh, you can just go to, uh, just do a search for IBM Smarter Cities billboards, and uh, you will uh, see uh, some examples, as we've shown up here. I've only seen the three, but what is it with Paris today, man? Or France? Like, this is, uh, it's like, truly, they've, they've knocked it out. Two out of the seven stories about, uh, about France. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, they're, uh, I mean, there's a lot of great companies over there. We don't talk about it uh, often enough, probably. Um, you know, we, we tend to hear a lot when we talk about Europe from, from the UK and Germany and places like that. But, uh, you know, as, as we talked about last week on the show, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's companies in Fiji and in Myanmar and all these places all over the place that uh, are cropping up that are doing great things in location. So uh, France is no exception. And there's a perfect example. You know, the best Springsteen show I ever saw, was uh, was in Paris at uh, okay. Bercy Stadium. We saw him during his uh, ghost or not the ghost of the uh, Seeger Sessions tour. Awesome, 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 awesome. Anyways, big fond memories of, of Paris and France. That's it. Okay, now here our sixth story. I want to know: Do you think that this this kind of information, like you, you know, we've talked a lot about the, this whole this hunt for for the mobile cookie, which is you know uh, something that follows you from screen to screen or from place to place, and and uh, uses that information to feed you relevant ads, relevant data, relevant things. Uh, this seems to me factual, and their new geotargeting service seems to me that it is it's close to this. It's leveraging your pre your history to project things that you might enjoy. Is this is this as close as we're going to get to a cookie? Well, I mean, remember, Factual is is a uh, an enabling 
you know, company that, you know, has tools, APIs, SDKs, all that kind of stuff to power other one, uh, every uh, other yep. platform, brand, et cetera, yep. right? So, you know, they're certainly not a, a consumer-facing company and, and, and won't be. Uh, and, and these two new solutions aren't, you know, uh, oriented that way either. So, um, but but the, the importance of big data and location data uh, is paramount right now. And, and, you know, what I talked about as location is the new cookie or, or you know, um, you know, I think is, is illustrated here. So, so there's two new services they launched, uh, one called GeoPulse Audience, the other is called GeoPulse Proximity. Uh, two very different things. Audience is, as the name implies, it's about tracking and uh, building historical maps or layers of location information um, that's demographically based. So, so this is about building associations between you know you, where you hang out, who you hang out with, the kinds of places you visit. They, so they know this is, you know, in, in the example they give, whether you're a college student or you're a business traveler, you know, and things like that. And then, and then opening up that, that information to third-party, you know, developers, brands, et cetera, that want to target certain audience demographics based on that. So that's what the, the audience platform is. And then the proximity platform is a, uh, a geofencing platform where the focus is on real-time and, and, and fast, uh, you know, super fast geofencing is effectively, you know, I think the way to describe this. So normally, and I have no way to validate this other than what I'm reading in, in the press here. By the way, Tyler Bell, the CEO of Factual, um, and, and we do a lot of work with Factual at the LBMA, uh, will be on the show in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've scheduled the, the interview, so we'll have him on as a guest. So he can, he can talk about this first. He can tell us how wrong we are. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can tell us how wrong we are. We're simply reporting it because it, 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 it's news this week and coming out. But um, so they, they've got a lot of data. They've got 65 million businesses um, points of interest in factual database today. Um, and so the idea is, is that you know, as a brand, if you want to geofence your your store or your mall or your you know doctor's office or whatever it is, um, you can do that. And, and if, if you're listening to this, you don't know what a geofence is. You know, draw a virtual radius around you know your property of whatever perimeter or, or radius you want um, so you know you can say here's a two mile uh, around my, my location when somebody who's opted in through a platform that's leveraging this geofencing system you know, enters that radius uh, you know push notifications and things like that that can be sent to them this is this itself this, this geofencing piece is a crowded space there's lots of people in that uh, business at the moment um, but from the claims here, and again, we'll let Tyler defend this for himself in a few weeks. Is it's about the speed of how quickly they can they can do this and deliver. And we know that that's the most important piece, right? Is that you have a finite amount of time to be able to interact with somebody based on where they are and yeah. influence a decision, and uh, and it has to be fast. Uh, I mean, I look forward to that because uh, you know I I think that with that number of locations and the, and the reach that they have around um, the applications that are leveraging this data and contributing back into this data, there's got to be a way, as you said, like, you know, differentiating between a college person, uh, you know, a college student and a um, and an executive is very important. Um, but then you also add that layer of where you've been and what you've done, which is what some of this does. And, and that kind of data to me is, is the equivalent to that cookie. It has to. Yeah. Be. I mean, because we're not going to get to that ubiquity where we are on the web, where cookies are cookies, and it's a standard, and people have accepted them as much as they are going to accept them. And you're getting targeted and retargeted ads based on where you've been, right? So, any of you go right now to the Shopify website, Shopify.com, 
and and you will or go to remotive.com for the romo and and uh then then take a look at how many times the shopify and the remotive ads come up right um so that that we, we don't have that equivalent in mobile and i think that it's the data that 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 certainly companies like factual are, are using right now that are going to bridge that gap until something i don't i don't know what comes as a result uh, i don't know if there is a way to to create a, a cookie in mobile if there ever will be but this data is is that cookie really so factual yeah and the, the nice thing you know and, and just to kind of go a bit further on that on the, on the speed issues so they're talking about delivering these things in nanoseconds not milliseconds uh, which is the key thing and, and uh, for those you know big data geofencing geeks out there we're talking about the first time you can create irregular polygon shapes in terms of how you do these things as opposed to non um, and uh, you know th th this is a big thing, and the and the, and the reason that they're able to do this is the geofencing solution, if you will, in, in this this proximity solution, is on site. It's on premise. It's not something that's you know sitting up here in the cloud and being done by somebody else and whatever. Which is why they can have that speed. So I'll, I'll leave it to Tyler to go further than that in a, in a few weeks. But uh, yeah, very pretty cool. cool. Factual's new geotargeting service. Very 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 cool. Um, and I uh, can't wait for to have Tyler on. And if we say any more, there's going to be no need for him to come on. So we're going to move on to the seventh story. <laughs> Here is our last story before yeah. we get to the resource of the week. Uh, now I'm going to completely 100% butcher this this the name of this company, but there's a company called Singera that tracks. Singera. What? How is it? Sing Singera. Okay. I think so. Singera tracking facial expressions, and they're doing this in store with Ulibka. Radugi. Oh. Yes. <laughs> How's Good. that? Let's oh, go my that. goodness. So yeah, facial recognition uh, in store. So, you know, we've, we have talked about, we talked about it last week. We talked about, uh, you, you know, um, understanding um, movement at the store shelf in order to be able to determine what people are looking at versus what they're buying and picking up those analytics. We've talked about uh, a new forms of payment using the Xbox um, uh in order to be able to uh, do facial recognition so that we, you don't have to pull out a credit card or payment. So this is the, these things are emerging very quickly. And here, facial expressions in store to do what, Asif? Uh, basically combine that, uh, that the facial expression data that they're collecting with other data they have about users in, in via loyalty platforms and, and such. Uh, and then, uh, you know, from real-time analytics perspective, then deliver uh, targeted offers. You know, based, based on, on what? Like, so. like I just can't think about it. Is it like, is it, is it the facial structure so that they're going to understand that I'm a man or a woman? Is it skin color so that I'm going to um, dis display different products based on my skin color? I mean, is it, is it uh, like whether I'm bald or whether I have lots of hair? Do they, you know? No, it, it, it's things like. Um, I mean, I, I assume it's uh, you know the, the gender and and, and, thing, and skin color things are, are are already known if you're combining this with other right. data. Uh, I, I got the impression from the way I, I, I'm reading this is that it, it's really looking at the emotional yes. uh, side of the expression. Like, is this you know how happy is this person or not? Seriously, um, and what kind of mood they're in and things like that. And uh, and then um, what, what happens is, is when you leave the store, then you get an SMS text message offering you discount or ad based on on your emotional state. If you will. if you look angry, it's going to be a discount for for therapy or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah, and, and maybe maybe it's uh, you know it, it's it, it's something like uh, you know where um, uh, you know you you've got uh, you know 
I don't know, you, you, you're frowning a lot, so your wrinkle lines are more, and we sell you cosmetics. So that, I don't it's know. Botox I mean, treatments. Probably something along those lines, right? You know? Well, I, I, I mean, it's very interesting to, to determine sometimes, you know, I don't know if you can tell. I mean, I, I don't frown a lot, but uh, I wonder if they can actually gauge emotion through through this. And I know that they're, they're even in the same article that I wrote, they were talking about Xbox One will feature targeted ads based on fe facial recognition. Uh, and uh, and it's interesting that they were talking about this is that they did this study and I, and I, I wish I had the number. So yeah, it said 79% of Americans favor using facial recognition at various locations in public events and 81% support expanded camera surveillance on streets and in public places. And I think, holy cow, like I don't know what, what 80% that they chose to, that they talked about that, but, um, but this is a far cry different world than we lived in four or five years ago. And uh, when we talked about, uh, you know, compressing civil liberties, because uh, these numbers would have been insane. People would have put their hands up and said, no more facial recognition. Are you kidding? That's an invasion of my privacy. And here we are talking about it to determine whether or not you're smiling or if you're grumpy that day, and then being pushed targeted ads based on your facial expressions. I think this is like, sometimes I think, you know, we haven't solved the simple problems yet. And this is a complicated problem to solve, right? Like what happens if it's like, yeah, there was a, what happens if I just have jowls, well, right? It, like what if I, like, what if I'm just, I, I know, can't smile because I'm, I'm physically disabled <laughs> or like I've had a stroke and it's like, I'm getting all of these <laughs> like wrinkle cream and stuff. Like there's a sensitivity issue here as well. I just. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and I think it's, I have difficulty. I mean, I like so the concept I. of this. Yes. Uh, I have di difficulty understanding the connections to cosmetics specifically. Yes. Um, you know, I think there's other applications for this um, that are really interesting. And and in the article I was reading about this, it, it linked to another article that was talking about the whole idea of emotion recognition um, and what you can do with that. And one of the examples, I just pulled it up here, um, and the, uh, the chief marketing um, guy from Nuance, which is another company in this space, was, gave the example, he says, if your car thinks you sound stressed, uh, it may SMS your office to say you're late or even automatically suggest another route that avoids traffic. Things like that, you know, I, you know based on your emotional state, make, make a lot of sense to me, right? Um, like that, if, if you are stressed, and, and then so what it does is it, it, it gives you a, a, a longer path to the office, right? So that you don't go in there yeah. and... Well, maybe they, what they do is, I don't know if these guys, I mean, I know a lot of cosmetics companies, they also, you know, own uh, spas and all kinds of other things. So maybe, you know, they see, you, hey, you're stressed and we're going to send you an offer to go show up at the spa. That's a lot better than getting, you know, you know, save 50 bucks today generically from Groupon, you know, on, you know, such and such massage. You got me there. So, like, I, I like that idea about the tension, like determine, uh, detecting tension. Right, and I think that in your voice or yeah. the way that you're talking, and then and then and then reacting to yeah. that, I think that that is very cool technology. Nuance does a great job of it um, because they, they're in the voice recognition system, and they they are able to, you know, one of the greatest technologies is they they can actually remove all of the background noise, so they can really synthesize and focus on the voice. And I think that that to me is like that is very cool. When that happens, that'll be excellent. It'll just be. And if you can do, and if you can read the same kinds of signals from facial expressions, then again, I mean, the same concept applies. And I think that's what they're going for. Just, here. Uh, you know, we we are we are at, like we're at step one, and and this seems like a step ten solution, right? Uh, but I think that that's what has to happen in these in these kind of things. But I, I just think, in order for it to be mainstream, in order for it to be in every store, in order for us to understand and recognize it, and and allow our face to be recognized. 
I mean, we, we as humans have to adapt to these technologies. And I think it starts with the first step has got to be, what's the real benefit to me? So I can understand, like if I'm stressed and it's in my voice, then, then create an action out of it. Do something. I don't know. Play soothing music. Uh, you know, turn. You know, turn on a fragrance that is supposed, like li lilacs, that are supposed to calm you down, or something like that. Uh, change my dash to purple instead of red. Whatever it is that you do, right? Yeah. Th there's natural steps that that allow me to feel comfortable with the technology before all of a sudden I'm in a store and there's this camera in my face and it's like, ah, hey, listen, you need wrinkle cream and you need a massage and instead of you know, I I just. Maybe there's just a screaming kid and, and it's just a bad day. But I do think that emotions in lines are very interesting, right? So studying, studying body posture and lines, long lines, will give you an indication about uh, customer satisfaction. And there are the people who aren't going to say anything because 95% of people don't say anything when they've had a bad experience. But if you study the way people stand in lines and long queues in grocery stores, you will get a plethora of data. And I think that maybe there's an opportunity for something like this. Here's a... There's a million Sounds dollars. Good. So that's you, Libka Radugi and Singera, uh, tracking facial expressions in store to sell you cosmetics. Eh, that was a good story. Seven stories. We had Chuck Martin at the beginning. Karina Patel is our special guest. We have one last piece, which is the resource of the weekend. You know what, Asif? I, I don't even know what to say. This is it's a, a story on Media Shower. They interviewed you. I, I know. love it. Ten thousand hours in ten minutes with Asif Khan. Great, great, great title, by the way. I love that title. What is this thing? Uh, yeah, I decided to share this one. I don't normally do this, um, but I decided to share this one uh, not to promote myself, but simply say I'm so um, smart. You know, I get asked. I get asked to do a lot of these things, and I thought the questions that were asked here were really, really good, and they did a really good job of. You know, articulating uh, each piece here, and there's a lot of great information here. Uh, you know, just factual stuff in, in, in some of the leading, uh, you know, interesting cases that I like right now, around interesting project case studies. Um, you know, I, I talk about uh, in here, um, this, you know, um, the role between social media and location-based marketing, which is something I get asked a lot at conferences. So, if you're just interested in the space and you want to understand a little bit of the the inner nuances of what's going on in location. It's a good little article that can give you some Very insight. cool. And will you put this up, a link up at uh, Untether, or Untether, at sure. uh, the LBMA.com yeah, forward slash research? Uh, probably under the under press, press section. section. Well, it'll be linked up. If you find the show notes on Untether.tv, this is episode number 138, you will be able to link to that as well. And I love it. I mean, you brought up eMart in Korea. You brought up your augmented reality project with Lancome. You brought, uh, so th these are relevant, uh, very important projects. Uh, if you missed that, uh, the eMart, uh, it's the floating store. The floating Wi-Fi store that we talked about last week in episode number one thirty. Actually, no, this one's not the the one in the article is the uh, QR code with oh, the generated 3D, yeah. by. Uh, I should have read that. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. So, if you're interested in that, go to untether.tv uh, for the show notes, episode number one hundred thirty-eight, or the lbma.comments in the press section, and that is our resource of the week. I just I love that title, man. Ten thousand hours in ten minutes. It just kind of distills all of your information, everything you know in 10 minutes. Now you're going to be as smart as a Asif Khan. <sighs> if only I could be as smart as Asif you know, Khan. I, <laughs> I was <laughs> talking about cons. I was interviewing Sal Khan uh, who, of no relation. Yeah. And when I told people, oh, you know, I got this great episode up there uh, with Sal Khan, uh, you know, and they said, oh, well, he's you, you talk to him every week. I'm like, no, no, that's Asif Khan. This is Sal Khan, the guy who does... Um, who is uh, basically recreating education with the Khan Academy, right? And, and um, 
yeah. and he started talking to me it's an episode that i was on up on tether.tv and the reason i bring it up is that is that he said uh, you know at some point in in the future we're going to be talking about uh becoming an expert in a field uh, like say like you want to be an expert in mobile and uh it'll only take you you know a day to become an expert in mobile and i'm like oh well that's kind of career limiting for me right what that <laughs> exactly i'm like i don't i don't like that con i'm gonna actually destroy you con <laughs> I didn't say that. And then, you know what? I saw this great thing. I'll finish up with Sal here uh, because uh, there was a, a, a Twitter post or a, 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 yeah, Twitter post that came out from uh, Bill Gates and it, uh, it has this picture of it. It says like, uh, hey, just hang in with the Khan Academy guys. And, he, and it was a great picture of uh, Sal Khan and Bill Gates having a conversation at the Khan, uh, Khan Academy uh, offices. And I think that guy hangs with some pretty, pretty important people. And I got an opportunity to sit with him. And I think that's 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 pretty cool. But he, he basically destroyed my future in that, you know, 11-minute segment. Khan Academy. All right, so that is it. Go to untether.tv uh, and uh, look for episode number 138 if you want to get to that. Or you can just go to mediashower.com and you'll be able to see it there as well. 10,000 hours and 10 minutes with Asif Khan on location-based marketing. And that, my friends, is the last story for this, our 138th episode. We will see you next week for episode number 139. Thank you, folks, for watching. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to ask us a question, we will play it on air and we will answer it right then and there. Reach out on tether.tv forward slash talk. But until then, we'll see you next week. Asif, enjoy the rest of your vacation, man. Thank you, sir.